kind of the man behind the curtain with the sermons is that I, when I start my year in January, I plan all the way out through the end of the year. Plan all the way out through, um, even in Christmas, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be preaching next Christmas. Um, I don't have it written yet, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. And the idea is that when it comes to preaching, what I like to do is say, okay, so what are we struggling with? What are we dealing with? What is real world kinds of things when it comes to our lives? And I kind of put that out there, and then I say, I'm going to preach to that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of categorically get to that, that topic. And so one of the things that um, has come up over the past couple of years, and I've decided to hit it head on this year, um, is just this concept of broken relationships all around us. Um, this concept that especially marriages um, and, and relationships between moms and dads, and um, the, these are one of the things that causes some of the most pain in our in our area, um, and that's kind of been one of the focuses of, of the year for me. And in order to get to that, like I said, I don't just want to jump in and start talking about that. I want to start to kind of soften our hearts when it comes to relationships. And what I've done with Go is to say, if you are kind of kicking the tires on the God thing, if you're trying to decide what's real or not, one of the best ways for you to do that is to actually start to practice some of the things that that God says to do with our lives. Even if you don't believe in Him, because really the first people that followed Jesus, the very first people that followed Jesus on the earth didn't believe in, in Him. They didn't believe he was God. Did you ever realize this? This, this kind of takes people by surprise. That, because what we tend to think in, in the way that we believe and the way churches work is that you have to completely agree and believe with everything a church stands for. And when you do, you can become a member and then you can follow Jesus. But the truth is, that's not the way people follow Jesus. It's not the way people have ever followed Jesus. The way people actually started following Jesus as a human, as a person, while he lived on the earth, was they followed him because of what he could provide for them. They just did, and it's just as honest as you can be. Rick said, I tell it as it is, and the truth is, that is why people started following Jesus. They started hearing stories about him, about 5,000, 10,000 people being on a beach for days and nobody having any food, and Jesus all of a sudden finding a, a fish and a piece of bread, a, a, some fish and a bread, and, and feeding 10,000 people with it with stuff left over. People go, you know what, I'm hungry, I'm following that guy. They, they started hearing about him healing people, and truthfully, some people showed up for the magic show. They wanted to see something amazing, so they started following Jesus. And the truth is, that is an actually a really good way to follow Jesus. To start actually digging in and finding out how he lived, to actually start to say, man, he said some crazy things about life. Some of you have tried a lot of things in life. You've tried drugs, you've tried alcohol, you've tried sex, you've tried all kinds of different things looking for happiness. Some of you have, have bought cars, you've bought houses, you've bought condos, you've bought vacations, you've tried all these things. And the truth is, we all end up in the same place when we look in those things for happiness. We all kind of end up going, it just didn't do for me what I thought it would do. So if you're kicking the tires on Jesus, if you're here or if you're listening online, and you're trying to decide if you believe this stuff, this is a great first step. Don't sit and try to believe it. Don't sit and just try to believe, because that's a silly thing to do anyway, right? Isn't it silly to sit somewhere and go, I believe. It doesn't work that way. It's not authentic. It's not real. So what people who really follow Jesus do, and if you look for Christians, and I don't mean Christians in the religious sense, I mean followers of Jesus Christ, the way that he lived his life. If you look for those people, you'll know the authentic ones. You'll know the real ones, because they live first, and then they believe, it is incredible how this works, and this is the way it works with Jesus. So what I'm trying to do this year in 2015 is to, to grow up a, a community of believers, myself included, and that's why I 
talk about all my baggage up here because I don't ever want you to get the impression that I deserve a good parking place. You know, that I am somehow better or what I'm doing is I'm reading ahead. <laughs> That's all I got up here. And I, am, I, am, I feel like God has called me to, to pull us together as a community of believers, people who have believed in Jesus, because we've lived and we've seen the difference it makes in our lives. Following Jesus and following the way that He intends for us to live our lives makes a physical difference in the way we live. That's why we follow. We don't follow because our grandpa did or our grandma did. We don't follow because we're scared to death not to. We follow because it makes a difference in our life, and that's what leads to belief. That's part of what we're trying to get to in 2015. And as we get to that, as we start to say we're going to live our lives differently, even if we're not sure we completely believe it all, because let's just be honest, I'm your preacher, and I'll be real honest, there'll, there'll be days where I'll be driving down the road, and it'll just hit me. How can there be a God? Really? It, wouldn't I just see Him if He was there? And all this scientific evidence, wouldn't it just... I've got to be honest, there are times where I have that doubt. And then there are times when I get up in the morning, and the sun's just set, and my son says something just amazing, and I think, how can there not be a God? You know, you have that too. And the truth is, if you base your whole Jesus thing on what you believe, on just believing, you're going to be up and down and up and down and up and down. But if you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to believe, because Jesus tells me to believe, God tells me to believe, and I'm going to work on believing and believing more consistently and getting better. But one thing I can do with consistency is be different. I can act the way Jesus acted while he was here. It is some of the most ridiculous things. Jesus said some of the most ridiculous things that anybody who is smart has ever said on earth. In fact, some people believe he's a lunatic because he would say things like, you know the people that have hurt you the most in your life? Those are the people that God wants you to work at forgiving. People go, well, that's just stupid. And, and then Jesus goes up to these religious people and he says, you think you're something because you love the people who love you? Everybody loves the people who love them. That didn't mean anything. If you're good at loving people who are easy to love, that didn't mean anything. You really want to do something? You really want to be something? You really want a different kind of life? Look for the people who are hard to love. Look for the people who have messed you over and look for a way to think differently about them. And here's what it happens. You think, well, boy, what a selfless way to live your life. And what a great thing. At the end of your life, you've, you, may have hurt, you may have been hurt all your life, and you may have just put yourself down and put other people up, but at least people talk about you. But the truth is, what happens is when you do that, it changes you. It makes you into the person you want to be. You don't have to buy the car anymore to feel that peace. You don't have to go after that guy or that thing or that woman or that, that, that job. All of a sudden, you get a different sort of a peace, and this is what Jesus talks about from the beginning. In fact, people would, would gather around Jesus. Before we pray this morning, I want to tell you this. People would gather around Jesus, and there was this temptation for Jesus. I know it was there because he was human, and I know exactly what this feels like. A whole bunch of people gather around, they start saying great things about him. Start saying things like, man, he says it like it is. <laughs> start saying he's funny, he is great, he is humorous, and it's so easy to go, man, Jesus, if it had been so easy for Jesus to stand up and say, let's just make people feel good. Let's just make people happy. They'll get more people. And there's something about feeling good. Jesus could have done that. But instead, people would come to him with all this stuff, and he'd say, do you really want to be happy? Yes, Jesus. Do you really want to be happy? Yes, Jesus. You really want peace? And you kind of get a little pep rally going on. You know, remember that high school pep rally thing? People would do that, and that was a big part of teaching at the time. Jesus would say the same thing over and over, and people go, yeah. Can you imagine thousands of people? Do you really want peace? Yeah. 
all these poor people around the countryside. Do you really want happiness? Yeah, it's this cool thing. And then Jesus, very quietly, after that would say, then give up everything. Give everything you have. And the people that were in the way in the back would go, what did he say? What'd he? And it would murmur back. It would murmur all the way to the back row. He said, give away everything if you want peace. What did he say? He said, give away everything. All the way to the back. And finally people start walking away. I thought this was good news. I thought we were going to get something. This happens in church every Sunday. Some preachers will say, hey, if you come to Jesus, you'll be happier than you've ever been. You'll have more money than you'll ever been. You'll, you'll have health and wealth and you'll hear it all the time. Jesus didn't preach that. He said, if you want real peace, if you want real happiness, give all of your stuff away. Do everything you can to keep from being attached to things because they will let you down. And some people followed Jesus and other people didn't. But here's the thing about it. It didn't bother Jesus. Those who couldn't follow Him, He wasn't going to water it down because He knew what it took to get real peace in real life. That's where I'm hoping to take you, even today. I'm going to say some hard things. I'm going to say some, some bigger things um, than I've said maybe before. Um, and I, I want you to hear it today from the life of Jesus. Um, and uh, before we get started, you, you'll miss this completely if you don't get a deep breath. So let's do that together. I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll get started. God, we thank you for the way you love us. We thank you for the peace that comes with knowing you when we really know you, when we really do life the way you intend for us to do. Would you speak into our life now and we'll listen. In your son's name we pray, amen. This piece of scripture that has kind of guided, guided this sermon series and one that has actually been, been really important to me over the last few weeks. Many of you know I've dealt with some anxiety and depression in my own life, which, you know what, it never ceases to amaze me. And the older I get, and the more I get into ministry, the more this happens where I get into a sermon series and it feels like God is really doing some things and I get texts and Facebook message and people moving and then all of a sudden I personally get into some sort of a depression or some sort of an anxiety. Happens to me a lot and this beginning of the year it happened to me. I got into some anxiety and depression and this piece of scripture has really got me through. If you're here today or you're listening online and you're dealing with some anxiety and depression, maybe you haven't told anybody, you need to hear this piece today. This, this piece of scripture today, you'll go, wait a minute, that came from the Bible? But yes, it did. Here it is. Jesus says this to a big group of people. Are you worn out? Are you, are you tired? Are you burned out on religion? Are you tired of the churchy stuff? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What's interesting is Jesus says this in the midst of saying things to people like this. You want, to be pe you want peace in your life? Give away everything. Make sure you're not attached to anything in your life. And then he says, I won't lay anything heavy on you. Wait, wait a minute, that's pretty heavy, Jesus. Try it. Just try it. I've talked to some of you who have spent your whole life trying to amass things, trying to, trying to surround yourself with stuff to impress people that don't even care, truthfully. And you, you've amassed all this stuff and finally one day you've walked into the church and you heard something Jesus said like give it away and just a little bit, just one thing and then I get this Facebook message. It's amazing what this does. It's freely and lightly. And Jesus says if, if you really want this kind of a life you, you need to do some things to live freer and lighter. Doesn't that sound good to you? 
Last night, Risha and I did the Valentine's Day thing, and um, I spent about three weeks looking for a gift and ended up buying it on Friday, you know, just like everybody else. Um, and it, we didn't really have time to plan anything. We didn't have the money, and we didn't know what we were going to do. And so I, I got panicked about it on Friday morning, and I said, Risha, I'm going to come up with a plan. And she said, I think I have a plan. We have some steaks that we were given for Christmas and some stuff from Omaha Steaks in the freezer. She said, I think we just, I think we just stay home this year. I don't think we go out this year. When she's like a go-out person, you know. I don't think we go out this year. It's crazy out there, and it's cold. Let's just stay home by the fire and cook meal. There was this moment in me, and maybe men, you felt this too, where you just go, I love my wife. She said, and plus, I know there's a couple ball games on. I'm like, oh! <laughs> you know? And so we went to a movie, and we saw, we saw an action movie with a little love story instead of a love story with a little action. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, oh, I love my wife. And there was this, at the end of the night, we're sitting after a big piece of chocolate cake, and there's just this moment of freely and lightly. This moment of no kids in the house. There's something free about that. There's, 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 there's this moment of no, nothing but just peace in my house. Jesus pointed to pictures like that in people's life. And he would say, wouldn't it be great if, if you just lived like that? You say, yeah, but John, I've got to go to work on Monday morning. Yeah, but did you know that it's available? That it is available to you to go to work on Monday morning and feel like you did during Valentine's Day next to the fire? Did you know that that's available to you? The truth is, it is available to all of us. And Jesus said, it is, he lived this way, he lived his life this way, and he said, I am so desperate for humans to understand that this is available that I'm willing to offend you. I'm willing to make you mad. I'm willing to just keep saying what is true until you have gone through everything else in life and you end up there. And he says, if you're really tired and worn out, try this. Now last week I talked about something that keeps us from living life like this. Something that keeps us from doing that, and I found a picture of it. Last week I talked about the, uh, the ugly green thing that lives inside us, this pride, this thing that raises up inside us. I'm not going to preach it again, but if you want to go out and listen to it, you can listen to it. Uh, there's a good picture of the little ugly green thing, this pride that lives inside us. And what this does, this pride, uh, I'm talking about a pride here that isn't the pride that, that, that is proud of your children when they do good things. It's the pride that yells at your children when you're in public and they've embarrassed you over something small that you probably shouldn't be yelling them at. That's the pride I'm talking about. It's not the pride in the work you do. It's the pride that when you go to work, the people that you work with do something bad and they get in trouble and there's this part of you that goes, yes! That's the pride I'm talking about. This pride, this little ugly green thing, what it does in us is it steals that opportunity. It steals that opportunity to have that peace, to live life the way God intended for us to live. And so what I'm doing as we conclude this series about Go is I want to hit this thing right in the face because some of you have so much pride in your life, this little green guy has taken over your life and he's caused you to miss out on the way God intends for you to live. One of the ways it plays out I want to talk about today, I see it every day, and if you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, you see it every day too, and it's this need to be known. Have you noticed this? Um, one of the things I, I did is, I wouldn't recommend this, I went out to Google and I typed in funny selfies, um, you know, the selfie photos, and man, there's some awful things out there. You don't, you don't want to go to that. I, I was going to put a couple up on the screen, and there really wasn't anything I could put up on the screen on a Sunday morning. Um, but there's this, there's this thing that people do where they, they're taking pictures of themselves, you know, and it's just this, this, literally, we're in a selfie world. 
where I want people to see me, and I want people to see me so bad that I'm going to take a picture of myself. And they've got people who have learned to take a picture with their feet, so it looks like that they're not taking their own picture. I mean, it is amazing what links people will go to to, sh- to get attention. And if you go to Facebook or to Twitter or just the web, you'll see these things called selfies. In fact, I, I often wonder, if you, have the, the, if you have in your mind and you can't remember the last time somebody took a picture of you, and you took your own picture and that's all it is is your own picture, you might have one of these little problems, you know. I, I see it all over the web. And, and there's this sense with social media where we want to be friended, we want to be liked, we want to be recognized, we want to be sought after, we want to be followed, we want to be mentioned, we want to be admired, we want to be envied. We want it so bad that it begins to change who we are. It becomes the pursuit in our life. And it, it comes from a really good place. In fact, if you've got kids at home, you know this to be really true. This may offend you, um, but it, the, it's just, it is very true that... Would I say that all the time? Oh, Deacon. Oh. Deacon's going to help me this morning, apparently. This may be true um, for you that... That, uh, that if, if you get on Facebook and you have this problem in your life, um, you, may, uh, you may really resonate with the sermon today. I lost my train of thought a little bit. The, the, idea, of, the idea of this uh, friending in, in Facebook is a, it's a scary thing, and it's getting worse every day. That people come in and they, they want so badly to be liked that they'll do anything, and they'll take pictures of themselves in precarious situations and in bad places to get attention. But it starts at a really early age. In fact, this may offend you, a little bit. That's where I was going. Um, this may offend you just a little bit, but did you know that it, psychologists have been studying this for a long time, and you need physically something in your brain. They can see it light up. Your neurons light up. You need approval from your birth father, from the father who gave you life. You need it. There is something chemical in your brain. You need it from your mom too, there's no question. But there is this desperate thing in your brain that needs approval from your birth father. It was built into you. And so your kids grow up. And if men, you're sitting in the pew right now, and you're one of those guys that say, my kids know that I love them. they got a roof over their head, right? If you're one of those guys, you need to know. You're messing with the neurons in the brain of your little boy and your little girl. If you're too cool, if you're too tough, if you're too strong, if you think you're too much to say to your kids that you love them, to show them that you love them in more ways than putting a roof over their head, in more ways of being the tough guy in the house, if you're too, you are messing with the neurons in their brain. Because you have in the middle of your heart and in the middle of your head physically a desperate need for love and affection and approval from your father. My son, man, my son and my daughter both, constantly, they're both playing basketball right now, and it, every play, every single play they do, it doesn't matter what they do, my daughter's so bad about this, if she happens to touch the ball when her team's on offense, she's looking at me, for me going, yeah, but, and she's, she loses, she's, she's a lover, not a fighter, she's not a great basketball player, but she's a wonderful girl, and she'll get a rebound, and she'll throw it to her teammate, and then she'll need to go fill the lane on a fast break, and she'll be looking at me to see if I saw the rebound, instead of running down the court. And her coach will say, stop looking at your dad! And all day yesterday, they play on Saturdays, all day yesterday, her coach kept saying, stop looking at your dad, London! And finally, he, he, at halftime, he came over to me and he said, man, stop yelling for her a little bit. Because <laughs> every time you yell for her, she turns over and looks because she desperately 
needs her dad to look and see what she did and say it's good. The, the truth is, you, you need that and you have that. And if you don't get that from your dad, you'll look for it somewhere else. If you, you need it from your wife, you need it from your spouse. The truth is, and sometimes I get a little too honest up here, but when it comes to preaching, I need some affirmation. I do. And it used to be that I'd try to kind of diminish that. But I do. I need somebody to say, you, you nailed it today. And I get that from you guys sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Um, and you guys say it like it is too. Um, and so, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And you come to me and I love it and I need it and it helps me and it helps me move forward. But the truth is, I want it from my wife. I need it from my wife, you know? And she's so good at that. She'd say right after church, John, it was a great sermon today. Man, you really hit it. And I noticed people had tears, and she knows how to really get me. There were tears in the room today. I'm like, yeah, you know? So, but then she started doing this thing back here with children's ministry. And after church, I get nothing from my wife. And we, yeah! So we get, we get in the car, and when she usually gets in the car and starts talking about my sermon, I say, so did anybody tell you anything about my sermon? You know? <laughs> and then about Wednesday I say, so have you listened to my sermon online? Like, like she's going to go sit and listen to my sermon you know, after hearing me all week. But um, the truth is there's this thing in me and it doesn't go away and I get it from my dad, but I still have an appetite to be known and to be thanked and to be respected. My, my wiener, you know I have a wiener dog at home, this awful wiener dog. He is one of the banes of my existence. 13 years and he, st- he just won't die. Um, he's about, he's, oh, he's this long and this wide and his legs are about that long. And he, can't, he can barely move now. He's just mean. That's all he is. But he has this desperate need where he just whines. Have you ever seen a dog like this? This is one of the worst dogs ever. But he's, he just sits at your feet and, and when you get home, if you haven't seen him for a while, mm-hmm. And it will annoy you so badly till you finally put him on your lap. The truth is, some of you are living like that right now. I see it on Facebook. The Facebook post, the weird little Facebook post, like, give me attention. It's the, boy, you know, I, I sure wish somebody would love me kind of Facebook posts. What it is, it's you're going, it's like bogey. Until finally somebody puts, him, puts you up. Finally somebody throws you a bone. Finally some, and the truth is, the problem with that kind of an appetite is that it just grows it just get it just gets worse an appetite like that when you feed it it grows and it gets worse and worse and worse to the point where it is never satisfied you can't ever have enough friends on facebook you can't ever have enough followers on twitter you can't ever have enough people if your main goal in life is to get approval you can't ever have enough here's the truth there is no amount of knowing of being known that will satisfy your appetite to be known for the thing that you have determined you want to be known for. It is true. When you get up in the morning, you get dressed for an audience. You do. I do it too. You wake up and you think, what is, what is that lady in the cubicle three down going to think if I wear those junky boots again? And I have, a pair of, I have a pair of shoes that are so comfortable and they're so warm and I wear them like every other day so people can't remember if I wore them yesterday or not, you know? And, and I, I, it, there's just constantly this thing in us. The truth is, there's all kinds of great examples of how not to live like this. One of my favorite is from a guy named John the Baptist. And I'm going to get through this pretty quickly. But this man named John the Baptist ha- could have had this problem. In fact, God kind of chose him to be the front runner of Jesus. Have you ever been to a, a concert that starts at 6 o'clock, but the, the A band doesn't actually start playing until 10 o'clock? You know, you get that warm-up band. 
you know, and you get there, and by the time the, they, they kind of want a band that's not quite as good as the other band, but just enough to get you warmed up. Well, John the Baptist was the warm-up band for Jesus. And that's the, way, that's the way God created him. He created him as a warm-up band for Jesus. The thing about a warm-up, warm-up band, though, if you've ever known anybody who played in a warm-up band, they always have aspirations of being the A band, right? And it could have been that John would have said, yeah, I'll start with this, but eventually I want to be bigger than Jesus. Eventually I want more followers. And check this out. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. This man named John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. He lived in the woods. He's a weird dude. Preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Now, if you just read that fast, you, you may not remember that the, at this point in history, that John the Baptist was the first person to actually baptize somebody. Well, at this point in history, there were, there were still baptism, but you would baptize yourself. You would go into the water, and you would bend down, and you would get back up, and that would be your baptism. John the Baptist was the first person to actually baptize people um, himself. And as he did that, um, he gained this following and he, began, he got this entourage. He just did. He got this huge entourage. And now if you've watched any of those cheesy Jesus movies, um, uh, you've probably seen Jesus or John the Baptist. You've probably seen him with some followers, maybe 12, 15, 20 followers. The truth is there were thousands of people following John the Baptist. Look at this. The whole Judean countryside and all the people in Jerusalem went out to him. Now, even if that's hyperbole, you know how you say everybody was there. Well, I'm sure not everybody was there, but a ton of people, thousands of of people were following John the Baptist. And at this point in history, look what it says. It says, um, they, uh, they went, the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Now, he was in the Judean countryside, and the people of J- Jerusalem came out to him. That would have been a full day walk just to see this guy. So we're not talking about just a weird prophet that lived and there were a few people. We're talking about Justin Bieber. I mean, we're talking about an, a, a, a guy that is being talked about everywhere. People are making trips to see him. And at this point... He was doing amazing things. He was doing amazing things, and people were following him. In fact, the Bible talks about John's disciples like it talks about Jesus' disciples. You know, Jesus had these disciples. John had disciples, people who were following him. And he's the kind of guy that if he needed to, man, he could have all the time gone, like bogey. And people would have gone, you're a good boy. Because that's what we want, isn't it? That's what bogey wants. You're a good boy, bogey. Yeah, that's what we have to do until he finally shuts up. And John the Baptist could have totally been that kind of guy. Because the thing is, the more people that follow you, the more appetite you get. So if you're hoping that people love you, you just need to know that hope never goes away. It only gets stronger. It only gets worse. If you're living your life trying to please the people around you, you need to know you never will. It'll never feel good enough. And John the Baptist knew that early on. So here's what happened. Next slide. John chapter 1, verse 9. Now this man, this was John's testimony. The Jewish leaders came to him because now they've got a problem. They've got all these people, thousands of people in Jerusalem that are starting to follow this guy. Not only are they following him around in circles, they're actually following what he says. And he's saying, you guys need to repent. You're not living the way God wants you to live. And it's making the religious leaders upset. So they come to John and they say, okay, now who are you? Because you're, you're a different kind of dude. And he, he didn't fail to confess. John said to them freely, I am not the Messiah. I am not Jesus. He could have said, hey, I don't know, what do you guys think? Maybe I am. But he said, I am not the Messiah. So they ask him again, then who are you? Are you Elijah? Elijah was a prophet that they thought might be reincarnated. Some people had these weird feelings about John that maybe he was a prophet from the Old Testament that had been reincarnated. He said, I am not. I am not a prophet. Finally, they said, who are you then? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? I'm going to pause right there for a minute because when something good happens in your life, 
When you get that moment where, like Reese did yesterday, he turned around playing basketball. He got a rebound. He blocked a shot. Got the, he, he blocked the shot, got the rebound, turned around, went down, spun around. The first time he's ever done this and made a shot. And he looked at me. And there was this moment of like, holy cow, I'm awesome. <laughs> and I'm looking at my dad for that same feeling. It wasn't a, am I awesome? It was, I'm awesome, aren't I? Please agree with me. And I, of course, I'm his dad. Yes, you are awesome. But there's this thing that has to stop at some point. Yes, you are, but can you, can you pass the ball a little bit? Because your team had 14 points and you had 12 of them. Can you pass it a little bit? Because it's not all about you. John the Baptist understood it. He understood it. And they said, so what is this? What is this, John? You're doing amazing things. You're an amazing person. What are you? And he has a moment where he gets to be the A band or he gets to be the warm-up band. And he says, I'm the warm-up band. If you think what I'm doing is good, wait till you see what's next. I was preaching this sermon. I knew I was preaching this sermon. And I'm, I want to instill this feeling in my kids. So after the game, I went and caught Reese, just real quick. So Reese plays every Saturday, in case you want to go to the show. Um, he, he plays every Saturday at, noon, at, uh, at you know, London plays at 11, and he plays at 2. And so he goes and he sits through London's game, and she's a wonderful girl, and she's probably going to be a cheerleader, probably going to be on the other side. She's a lover, not a fighter. She's the social part. She doesn't love the basketball thing, but, and she doesn't always do well. So afterwards, Reese says just, Hey, man, you missed the rebounds. Hey, London, you airballed six times today. You know, he starts into that. So after his game, after his game, um, he came up and he had scored all the points in the team. And, you know, he was awesome in his mind. And I went to him and I said, hey, you know who, who you ought to talk to? You ought to go talk, talk to your sister about her basketball game. And instead of waiting for everybody to tell you how good you did today, which you did, you were awesome, did great. But... What if you, instead of that, what if you started telling people when they said, you did awesome, you say, my sister did good today too. And I heard him do it twice. Once to his coach. And I was so proud of him. And do you know what that does to a heart? Do you know what that does to a human being? When you could take everything, when you could say that was me, I did it, I am the best, come look at me. When you do that, it starts this appetite in you that will not stop. You will never satisfy it. But if you stop it, by saying, you should see my sister. You should see that person in the cubicle next to me. They were a part of this. You know what you should see? You should see my dad because what, any, anything good you see in me, a lot of that comes from my parents. You should see them. If you can start to live like that, it'll change who you are. It'll change your life. It'll change the way you think. It'll change how useful you are to the creator of the universe. John began to know very early in his life that he was here to be the warm-up band for the big guy. And the truth is, what God wants most from you, some of you are already doing this. You got here at 9 o'clock this morning, or you got here at 8.45 this morning in the freezing cold to do what you do in order to give the A band, the headliner, God, his due. Anything that is good that goes on around here, we want to deflect to the A band. We can be the warm-up band, but God gets his due. And John was giving his testimonies, and these Jewish leaders thought he was the thing. And finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer. And John replied in words of the prophet Isaiah, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I know my place. Next slide. They came to John and they said, Rabbi, 
This is all the disciples of John. Like his best friends. They want John to be huge. They want John to be big. They came to him and they said, Hey, hey, uh, rabbi, teacher, hey, um, that guy, pointing at Jesus, that guy over there, that man who, who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's doing your thing. He's baptizing people. Wait a minute. He's stealing your thing. You're John the Baptist. He's Jesus the, I don't know. You're the baptizer. What's he doing? Maybe we should put something together where you guys can at least do side-by-side baptisms. We'll put some moving lights on it, make a big show of it. John goes, no. No, no, no. Look at this. To this, John said, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Here's the thing John knew. I'm not going to read the rest of that. Tanya, you can go on. Here's the thing John knew. When you look at the picture of John's life, he knew that he needed to have open hands if he wanted peace in his life and perspective. He knew that his hands, if he left his hands open, God would put things in his life and in his hands. Would put money, would put stuff, would put people, would put fame, would put all these things in his hands. And every time God would put something in his hands, he would say, thank God for that thing. But then God would take things out of his hands and he would say, thank God for that thing. As long as I had it. Because it was never mine anyway. So these things that I get, and these accolades, and these, hey, good job. They, I'm, I'm holding them all with an open hand because I know where they come from. And with that, comes a different kind of life. One of my favorite quotes, it kind of haunts me actually, from an old um, evangelist who said, the world has yet to know the impact of a Christian who is 100% all in to God. The world has yet to know the impact of a Christian who never has a moment where they close their hands and go, that's mine, 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 mine. The world is yet to know the impact of one human being who doesn't have to sit at the foot and go, (laughs) and get their things, get their accolades. I believe it's true. 2 Peter chapter 1, one of my favorite pieces of Scripture. We do this all the time. Band, you guys can come up if you want. We do this all the time in our lives. We say, you know what, I'll follow Jesus like this if, when, when I get to this. You know, I, I remember growing up, I had a really good friend in high school who was a partier and a church kid at the same time, and there's a lot of those. He'd go to church on Sundays and do the whole smile big and think his, his, his dad was a preacher, and, and everybody thought he was good, and then I knew he was partying on the weekends. And one day, I just flat asked him, dude, what are you doing? And he said, well, I know what is true, and one day, one day, one day when I get through my high school years, I'm going to give all this up and I'm going to go on the straight and narrow. Um, that was 1993 we had that conversation. He's in an alcoholic facility in Phoenix right now. Because it didn't happen. And I know that some of you are going, you know, one day when this happens, one day when this happens, I'll actually live the way I know I need to live. And Peter says this, everything that goes into life, in everything that you need that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately, the one who, is, who invited us to God, that is Jesus. The best invitation ever received. I'm going to ask you to do, as we start this next series next week, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to go. 
to do something, to move forward. And the way you do that, maybe you've been retired from your faith. I mean, there's some older people in the building who feel like there's like a shelf life on working in the church and helping. Like, hey, I've, I'm retired now. I'm on Medicare. and I'm, <laughs> I'm done. And if you've been there, you, you probably know already that there is this sense of like decline in your peace and in your hope and in your joy. If you're, if you're so tired of this, Jesus would say if you're tired and you're weary and you're worn out on pretending the church thing, try this. Try this. Try picking one thing that Jesus said about your life and doing it for one month. Just one thing and doing it for one month. Even if you don't believe he's God, even if you don't believe in the whole thing, just try it. I'm going to ask you today if you have an appetite for pride like this. You have an appetite where you just, you just want people to tell you you're doing good. You can give that up today. I'm going to give you an opportunity today to, just between you and God, to kill the little green monster we talked about last week. Some of you worked on it. We've been talking back and forth on Facebook this week about that little green monster in you that is causing you to say things to your kids and to your wife and to the people you love that you would never say, causing you to do things that aren't you. Would you kill that today? Here's the way you do it. It's a simple prayer. You can do it right during this song. And if I were you, I would do it with open hands because there's something physical about that. There's something cool about it. Going, God, I, I'm, I know that everything you put in my hands you put there. That I didn't earn any of this. I might have worked hard, but you gave it to me whether I worked or not. And God, whatever you take out of my hands, I'm going to praise you the same way I did when you put it in. And in the middle, I want you to use everything you can in me to move the people around me closer to you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to we're going to hit this really hard. We're going to take the next step when it comes to this. I'm going to give you some real practical steps on how to do this in your life, how to take these crazy comments that Jesus made and actually apply them to your life. And if you're in the place right now, you go, well, John, I just don't believe yet. I just, you don't have to. Hang on. Because living life this way will lead you to believe. So your Father today, your Heavenly Father, wants you to find approval in Him. Even if you come in today and you're, you're like bogey, you need the approval, you don't have to leave here desperate. God wants you to know that you're loved and that He is desperately looking for you to live the kind of life that He knows you're capable of. Would you stand with us and sing this song and pray right to Him during this song? You can sing these words with us if you want, or if you want, you can just pray directly to Him. But have a time with God right now.